welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Well, Tone has mentioned actually that we are in the midst of a series. And we're up to part two of a series called I Resolve. I mean, New Year's... You know, I trust you had a great New Year's. We certainly enjoyed ours down at Wallaroo and had the fireworks going off on the beach and all that. It's excellent fun. And New Year's is one of those a special times. Certainly, you know, for people that don't know God, I think New Year's Eve is almost replacing Christmas and Easter. There's something religious about New Year's Eve these days, the amount of effort and energy that people put into to celebrating that time. And um, it's a time when people often make their famous New Year's resolution, you know, like I'm going to lose weight or I'm going to save more money or I'm going to get out of debt or I'm going to be a better person, and all those sorts of things that people say by way of a New Year's resolution. The sad thing about those resolutions is that statistically, you know, about half of them don't make it to the end of January. And the most part, they don't make it to the end of the year. And so there's a few reasons for that. I mean, just practically, you know, if if you've made a new resolution, I think it's good to have specific goals with regards to your resolution. Like, just just say lose weight. What does that mean? Are you happy with a gram? (laughs) Or do you want to say, no, I'm actually this weight and I want, to, <laughs> I want to get down to this weight and I want to maintain that weight and just be healthy and fit and all that. So, you know, it's good to have a goal. It's good to have a strategy as well. So, you know, like maybe get an exercise program going, get a schedule. And it's good to be accountable. Maybe get a training partner or someone who's going to help you stay on track. You know, so there's those basic things which people often are lacking when they make a new, resolution, new year's resolution. That means that it doesn't really last the month, never mind the year. And so they're important and I would encourage you um, to you know, add those things to your New Year's resolutions if you've made some. Um, that said, you know, I think it is a good idea to make New Year's resolutions. And I think it's, you know, as Tone mentioned, um, we did a series, I don't think he did mention, but we did a series last year. We started the year with I Resolve series. And the feedback from that was really positive. People felt that it set them on a good course into the year. And so we thought, well, we're going to maintain that, that tradition this year and we're going to kick off or continue our series called um, I Resolve. Last year, we looked at things like, you know, I resolve to live healed. I resolve to live beyond myself. I resolve to live larger. I resolve to be a part of the answer rather than the problem. And so I trust that that those things were things that you were able to see some progress in last year. And so we're not just going to repeat the series. We're actually going to look at resolving some other things. And Tone's mentioned the things that we're talking about. We've talked about looking up already. And today, I want to have a look at this this, uh, message which we've called... Uh, warming up. I resolved to warm up this year. Now, what do I mean by that? Because, you know, obviously it's been fairly warm. Like you might have thought, well, last week I don't really want to get any warmer than this. I mean, that, that's, that's enough for me. You could be thinking, well, you know, yeah, I do a bit of exercise. It's probably good to warm up before I do my exercise, and I would encourage you to do that so you don't pull any muscles or hurt yourself. That's good too, but that's not what I'm talking about this morning. You know, when a lot of people think about church, their experience of church if they've had one, or Christians, or if they haven't, maybe their their perception of church is often that it's cold, it's distant, possibly even icy. And if you only think like me, and you've been around a little while, and you've known Christians, and you've been to different churches, you've probably had a few frosty receptions along the way. I certainly, you know, love this church, and I think this is a warm church by and large. Sadly, not every church is like this church. They should be, I think they could be, um, but sometimes, you know, you're really struggling to find some warmth in some places. And, and, you know, that's a tragedy. And something that, you know, we don't want to wait till this church becomes like that before we start talking about warming up. Because I think we can always be warmer 
in the way that we approach life. And so, you know, that's, that's often people's experience and certainly many people's problem with the church. But I just want to read to you from Acts chapter 21, verse 17. This is what Luke wrote with regards to Paul and his companions' reception when they, received, when they went to Jerusalem. It just said simply that the brothers received us warmly. The brothers received us warmly. No, no, no frostiness there, no iciness or coldness in the church in Jerusalem. They were received warmly. And so warmth, you know, when we're talking about relational, in a relational sense, it's a positive thing. We're talking about things like you know, being made to feel welcome, being made to feel accepted and acceptable, being made to feel valued and appreciated, to be befriended, and all of those sorts of things are encompassed in this, this little expression, warmth. And so, you know, really that should be par for the course, I think, as Christians. Um, there should never be such a thing as a cold, frosty, icy church, you know, where you've got to sort of skate up to the front, you know, every morning. <laughs> but, you know, we, have, we serve a God who's ultimately, as Tone said, you know, found people, find people. Well, every one of us, if we know God, through Christ, have, have been received. We've received the hospitality and the warmth of a God who welcomed us into his home, into his family, when we, never, we didn't deserve it. So really, if that's our revelation, if that's our understanding, if that's our standing, how dare we stand aloof and look down on others that are coming in looking for some warmth in a cold, cold world for many? So God's desire ultimately is that our hearts will be so warmed by his love that it would ultimately overflow and warm others. In fact, I think it's his intention that his warmth will be so powerful and so effective, so radiating through us, that it would actually move into people's lives and melt the loneliness, and to melt the cynicism, and to melt the skepticism, and all the stuff that's, you know, that comes with the coldness of living in the ice age of, of a spiritual, you know, a bleak spiritual ice age, if you like. That ultimately, you know, the loneliness in people's lives would just evaporate as they come around the church of God. And if it can't happen here, where else can it happen, really? And so I'm talking this morning about the warmth of hospitality. And I just want to start by just mentioning a few things about biblical hospitality because there's so much today that you know, we, we know about hospitality. I mean, hospitality is shoved down our throats you know, through things like MasterChef and My Kitchen Rules and all those sort of things. We're very attuned to be, you know, what the, uh, an idea of hospitality. But I want to start by just saying there's a big difference between hospitality, biblical hospitality, and entertaining. You know, because entertaining is really about seeking to impress. And again, I'm not here to have a shot at some people that are, that are great entertainers. I mean, some people are amazing. I mean, I see some of the stuff that, that Mush puts on Facebook and some of the little delights that she makes. That, that's awesome. And all, more power to those people who have those sorts of gifts and those passions and then use them well. But, you know, if it's just about me, if it's just about look at me and what I can do, it's kind of missing the point. That's just entertaining. That's not really being hospitable. Okay, hospitality ultimately is about serving. It's about meeting the needs of others, recognizing that we only have what we have because God has been good to us, firstly. And it's the least we can do. Entertainment looks for payment. You might not stand at the door when people walk into your house and say, okay, that'll be $20 or $30 or $100 or $200 as they come in. But you're expecting praise. You're expecting that people go out and spread the word about how good you are and all that. sort. Of, and that's still an expectation of payment. But we're called to be hospitable and to give freely because God has given freely to us first. The pattern for entertainment 
is the shows, the reality shows on TV, be they on you know, how to cook or how to decorate and all those sorts of things that are happening. Whereas the pattern and the glossy magazines that, that show what your house should look like and how it should be, you know, and, and it should just be like a showroom the whole time. But the pattern for hospitality is the word of God. You know, it's great to see mouth-watering cuisine. It's an amazing decor. But if it doesn't come with the right attitude, it's pointless. In the Bible, attitude is placed almost at a higher level than presentation. And when I say that, I don't want to, you know, because I think I believe in excellence. I believe in doing the best we can with what we have. All of that is right. So it's not just like, well, I've got a good attitude. There you go, have that. (laughs) But it's about when it becomes more about us and what we're trying to present than the person we're actually serving, there's a problem. Okay? Um, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9 says this offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. What that means is if you invite people over, do it joyfully. And when they leave, and there might be some marks on your wall, or there might be some food on the floor, or there might be some other things going on that you've got to clean up or fix up afterwards, don't whinge and complain. Don't gossip and slander those people that you've invited into your house because it's about giving. All right? So that's the difference between entertainment and hospitality. You know, entertainment says look and admire, but don't touch. Hospitality says what God's freely given to me, I'm happy to share. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 17 says, Better a meal of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. Okay, someone just doing their duty. Someone just patronizing you by having you over. Better to just have something plain and simple with those that love you and appreciate you and want to give. So that's the first thing. There's a difference between hospitality and entertainment. The second thing is that hospitality mustn't stop with our family and our friends. Luke chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus says this. When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you'll be repaid. Now, again, if you take that on face value, you say, oh, that's a prohibition against having family and friends over. No, Jesus isn't saying that. He's just warning us that our natural default as human beings is to gravitate towards our preferences, is to gravitate towards those we feel contribute something to our lives. And so obviously family and friends are very much a part of that. And so it's easy and it's fun to have those people over. Jesus is saying, but if you do that, there's no eternal reward in that. You're just doing what pleases you. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. It's good and right but we've got to get things in right order. The problem, if we restrict ourselves just to those that we like and those who we know and are related to, is that Jesus goes on to say that you're doing no more than anyone else does. I mean, pagans, sinners, tax collectors, he talks about in the biblical context, you know, they all do that. They all know, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And so that's the way the world operates in the most part. But Jesus is calling us to live beyond that. He's calling us to live at a level of, that is higher than that, a hospitality that goes beyond what I can get out of this thing. And he goes on and talks about that. Um, Matthew chapter 5, verse 46 and 47 are the scriptures that talk about you know, not doing any more than, than the pagans and, and the, those that don't know God, basically. The third thing, just quickly by way of an introduction, is that genuine biblical hospitality, therefore, is it going to involve strangers. And we've got some real strange people in this church, so it's not too hard to find them, all right? Um, but that, that's inherent, this whole idea of strangers, not just my family and my friends, my, my, those that I prefer and am close to, but those that are beyond that immediate circle. 
Okay, that's inherent in the very language. We see, if, if you look in your Bibles, Romans chapter 12, verse 13 says this, share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Now, the word hospitality there is a Greek word in, the, in the, its original language. It's just philoxenia. Okay, now philo just talks about friendship love. Okay, xenia talks about foreigners or strangers. You know, it's the same word like in xenophobia, which is about, you know, I'm, I'm afraid of strangers. Okay, so it talks about this word hospitality, it's philoxenia. In, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, it says this, do not forget to entertain strangers. So it spills it out a little bit more. It's exactly the same word in the Greek. Okay, so it's not about just family and friends, but if you want to be truly hospitable in the true sense of the meaning, it involves strangers. Okay? Um, Luke chapter 14, verse 13, going on from where I read before, Jesus said this, but when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So Jesus tr connects just the mundane, ordinary business of eating with eternal reward if we do it with the right attitude and we look beyond ourselves. So who are the strangers for us? And again, you know, when you read the Bible, there's some amazing examples of hospitality. We see um, in both Old and New Testament um, some great examples of hospitality. And we might say, well, oh, you know, things are a little bit different back then because the church was being persecuted and people had, you know, were losing their house and their land and all that sort of stuff. And so it's only right that people should be, you know, and we're not experiencing that right now. Well, by the grace of God in Australia, we're not too much, although there are increasingly people coming from other countries to our country because they are experiencing it. And so, but, but to us, what are, the, what are the strangers, what are the people that we need to be looking out and, and including in our lives? Well, I think in this context, it's, surely it would include those that we don't know so well. You know, we've got our close, we've got our relatives who we know fairly well, our close friends who we know fairly well. But beyond that, God is calling us to include those, at some level at least, that we don't know so well. He's talking about including those who are unlikely to ever pay you back. And again, it's great to put on a brilliant feast, but if you just know that, you know, I'll do it this week and then I'll get invited somewhere else next week and the week after that, yeah, I can, I can blow a whole bunch of money on having people over if I know I'm going to get it back in the long run. That's not the spirit with which Jesus is talking here. He's doing it to those who can't afford to pay us back. Strangers to us might be those that others would neglect for various reasons. Maybe it's a cultural reason. Again, we're living in a, in a, in a multicultural age and, and it seems like, you know, there's, the differences between us are getting highlighted more and more, and there's more and more fear and trepidation with regards to those that are different cultures. But the thing is that, you know, the good thing for us is that as Christians, we don't need to go into all the world now because the world is coming to us. And so in our streets, we're going to have people from different cultures, people from India, people from Asia, people from China, people from the Middle East, etc. and they're coming to us. And again, I think God is calling us to reach out to them with hospitality. Those that are sick, those that are disadvantaged, those that, that can't help themselves at any given moment. Again, there's a call to us to step up and be hospitable. Again, I love the fact that Norm was able to stand up here. For those who know Norm, um, some time ago, before becoming a Christian, and just raving really about the hospitality of the people of God. He didn't, he, you know, we, he didn't owe us anything. We didn't owe him, owe him anything. But as an overflow of the love of God in our hearts, when he was in a time of need and sickness, the church rose up and responded. And many, many people in this church have got that experience. And so it's a type of 
love, it's a type of hospitality that flows out from the heart of God. Like I said, we've all been recipients. None of us are worthy to walk in boldly into God's house. We've all been invited in by his goodness. While we're doing our own thing, while we're still sinners, while in rebellion to God, he's invited us into his family and called us to live with him forevermore. So that's a bit of a background. I just want to have a look at three things now that practically we can do this year in order to, to warm up and be a little bit more hospitable. Again, some are already great at this, but I think we can always go to another level in our hospitality. Some, it, it just the whole thought just freaks you out because you're perhaps not a people person, perhaps you feel you're not equipped, etc. Well, I have a look at some things right now that will hopefully break it down for us and make it a little bit more achievable if we are feeling overwhelmed. Okay, so three ways to warm up in 2013. The first one is just simply something we can all do. Welcome one another at church. Welcome one another at church. I said in the prayer meeting before, before church started, before we had this meeting this morning, that um, holidays are great because there's so many people away right now. I mean, this might look full to you, but actually there's usually a lot fuller than this. And a lot of people are away. What that means is it's an opportunity because sometimes we, 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 we slip into our little comfort zone. We've got our little group of friends. And again, praise God for our friends that are part of the family of God. That's excellent. But let it not be at the expense of, of those that are coming into the church first time, those that perhaps have no friends or we don't know. You know, we want to have an, uh, our eyes up and have a look around for those. And so a time like this is great because it just makes it a little bit easier to perhaps see people that we would otherwise miss because of those that are here. And so let's greet one another warmly, okay, while we're at church. Um, just, just make yourself known to people. It's not hard. Just introduce yourself. Smile. You know, there's something about a smile that's infectious. You know, it, it, it warms a person to be smiled at. It makes them feel appreciated. It makes them feel valued just to be smiled at, just to be acknowledged. It might seem like such a small thing to us, but it can be a massive thing for a person who, like I said, they're, they're living, you know, the world out there is pretty cold. It's pretty harsh for people who don't know God. But the trouble is they're caught between a rock and a hard place because they think the church also is icy cold. And so sometimes they get desperate enough to come to church, not expecting too much. And the last thing we want to do is when they walk through those doors is to confirm all of their fears. We just want to blow their mind by doing the exact opposite of what they expect. For the most part, when people come, I mean, maybe if they've been invited by you and, and they know you, they think, well, you're warm and friendly, so I could expect the church to be warm and friendly. But many people come cold turkey. They've driven past, they've seen the building, they've just got to a place of desperation, they've jumped on the internet, they've put in church in Paraka, and they've found us. And they come through those doors, and the last thing they need is the cold shoulder. The last thing they need is someone's frosty, aloof, I'm better than you sort of look. All right, that's not what the church is about. It's about just welcoming, embracing. If they come in here, it doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter who's on their arm. It doesn't matter what gender they are. They're welcome as they come through those doors. And I think we need to um, be able to express that. I think it's the least we can do. And, you know, it hasn't cost us a cent so far. <laughs> it's easy. Offer help where you can. You know, people come through the doors, and again, we've got some great people that are, that, that are in specific ministry areas that are giving directions and helping register children. And all that sort of, but, you know, maybe they just came through the wrong door, or, or maybe they're just looking around for someone. Again, we can offer to help. Oh, do you know someone here? Um, who are they? 
oh, I don't know them, but maybe you can ask someone who does, um, you know, etc. So we can help people to find their friends because, again, they come into a room, this, a, a group of people this size, it can be fairly intimidating. And so it's offered to help. Maybe it's offered to carry, you know, mum, single mum walks in, four kids, all the gear that goes with four kids. Maybe it's offered to carry their bags. Maybe offer to help direct them to the Victory Kids. There's, a whole, there's so much that we can do. It doesn't cost anything. But it, it just expresses the heart of God, I think. Before and after the service, you know, let's, let's try and be aware. Let's be aware of, again, not just our family, not just our friends, but let's be aware of those that are new. And again, sometimes we get a little bit embarrassed. We get caught off guard. Sometimes people sneak in. They keep such a low profile. They've been here six months or 12 months before you actually know they're in the church. And again, sometimes that's the way they like it. But I think there's nothing wrong with going up and you know, introduce I haven't met you yet. How long have you been coming to Victory? Oh, it's your first time? Great. You've noticed. Excellent. It's a little bit more embarrassing. Sometimes I've been there longer. But at the end of the day, let's have our head up for people that, are, that we perceive are new, people that we don't know. They're strangers to us. Let's keep our eye out for people who maybe, you know, everyone else is out in the cafe having a, having a laugh and just seem to be enjoying one of those companies, but, but someone's just stayed back behind. They're just sitting in a chair and they're just having a bit of a cry or something like that. Let's be, let's be sensitive to that. And we don't need to go in and be all over them, but we can offer, are you okay? Is there anything I can do to help? Okay, it's all about hospitality. It's about warmth. It's about demonstrating the love of God. I mentioned our cafe. You know, our, the, the prime role of our cafe is not to serve coffee, believe it or not. Origin Coffee Bar as good as it is to have coffee on tap, and, and, and as much as some of us may feel we need it when we get here in the morning, and you know, before and after the service, that's not the primary role of having a cafe in the church. It's about providing opportunities for connection, opportunities for us as a congregation to be hospitable to one another and to those who come through the doors before and after the service. If we understand that, we can make the most of it. And we won't just make it our time to catch up with our family or just to catch up with our close group of friends because there's plenty of time we'll do that. We're probably doing that anyway outside of church during the week. But let's make Sundays count. Let's make this time count because it's an opportunity that's been provided. It's ready-made. It's not too scary. You don't have to get on the phone. It's just, it's just there. So let's make the most of the opportunity to, to welcome people and be hospitable at church. Don't underestimate your, your potential to make someone's day. And I'd even go further than to say, I've spoken to people who have come to church for the first time, and it's actually made their year. And in some cases, I don't think I'm exaggerating to say, it's probably made their decade because of the, the state, the tone, the temperature of their life has been so cold, they've been so drained, and they come to church, and it's exactly what they don't expect, and it becomes life, transform life transforming. And you can be a part of that. You don't need to be a pastor. You don't need to be an elder, deacon, any other position in the church. You just need to be here, and aware. So that's the first thing. The second thing after uh, welcoming one another at church is to invite one another into our homes. You know, inviting someone into your home is just a sign of acceptance. It says, I value you, I accept you. And like I said, some people find that really easy. Other people, it just it freaks them out for whatever reason. And maybe it's, maybe it's personal reasons. Maybe you're just not a people type of person. Well, again, we're not asking the impossible. I mean, some people are going to find it easy to have, you know, 100 people over to their house just by virtue of, of their personality and their talents and maybe the space they have available. But that doesn't preclude you from having one person over. Maybe ask yourself, if I don't have people over as regularly as I could or should or would like to, what's the reason? I mean, maybe it's just as simple as the house. I just feel embarrassed of my house. 
well, why not enlist some help and get someone to help you to clean your house so that it's presentable? I'm not talking, you know, glossy magazine style. I'm just talking about, you know, if you're just embarrassed about it and it's stopping you having people over, do something about that. Don't let it become a barrier or an impediment to actually extending hospitality in Jesus' name. So there's so many things that we can do. Maybe, maybe your house is just too precious. Like maybe it's just got too many little trinkets around, too many things that could go missing or could get broken. Well, again, maybe just it would be good just to declutter a little bit, put stuff up high so you can actually have people with little kids over rather than, you know, just eliminate the opportunity of getting to know so many families in the church because they've got those little, you know, mucky maulers running around that are going to touch your white couch and your white walls and your white carpet. And, you know, seriously, I mean, if we're living with others in mind... I mean, you know, Sally Ann, you know, she, she loves the whole white everything thing. But the reality is, it's just not practical when you've got kids, or lots of them, you know. And, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe one day, but probably not, because then you have grandkids come along. So, you know, there are some things that look great in magazines, they look great on TV. But for those that have a lifestyle where we're committed to being hospitable and to entertaining others in the best possible sense of the word, Maybe there's some things that we can actually do to help ourselves do that without the stress and without the grumbling, as Peter mentioned. All right. Do the best you can with what you have. You don't need to put on a 10-course meal. You don't need to have a crock and bush and all the other, I don't know how you say it, but all those things that mush can do. Um, you don't need to go to that level. Mate, toast with love and good fellowship, friendship, is that's better than... All the other st stuff and going away and thinking that you've done something wrong and you'll never get invited back there again because you didn't hold your fork right or have your finger at the right angle or something like that. <laughs> you know, Jesus um, went to a house of a couple of sisters, Mary and Martha, and Martha just got too caught up in the doings of having him over. And Mary actually just sat at his feet and enjoyed his presence. And now, so there's a place for serving, but there's a place for just being present. And I think, you know, so often we can get caught up in trying to impress and caught up in trying to do things that we actually miss the opportunity to just have people over and enjoy their company, get to know them a little bit better, actually to, to minister to them in some way, shape or form in a non-spooky sort of way by just acknowledging them as people, not just seeing them as an inconvenience, someone who's to be prepared for and then cleaned up after. You know, if you've planned to have people over, by all means, tidy up. But don't, if, you, if you don't get the opportunity and you've left the house and it's a bit of a mess and you get the opportunity to have someone back, mate, still have them back. Just kick the jocks under the couch as you walk in. <laughs> Whatever it might be. Hold on a minute. <laughs> I said eat simply. Use paper plates so that you can be present. Don't spend all day cleaning up. Unless, unless you know, sometimes it's, it is fun just to be washing up and just all standing around, you know, Whatever, but um, let's not have these things as excuses not to be hospitable, not to have people over to our houses. And again, in the midst of all that, by all means, have clear boundaries. I mean, it's not, it shouldn't be a free-for-all at your house. Okay, people shouldn't be able to take what they want when they leave. That's stealing, all right? Uh, they shouldn't be able to just break your stuff and let their kids run amok. You know, again, if we, if we are guests, I think there's a responsibility to, be, to, to treat the people's houses that, that we're in well. Okay, but again, let's extend a bit of grace because not everyone who walks through these doors know some of those things that we would call basic. So let's extend grace. And thirdly and finally, let's not just be welcoming at church, let's not just have people in our homes, but let's be practicing hospitality with purpose. Okay, so let's be intentional. 
Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30 says, He who wins souls is wise. Okay, so now there's a little bit of intellect involved, a little bit of thinking involved if we're going to see people come to God and if we're going to see one another grow and be the people that God's called us to be. And so there's some good questions to ask ourselves if we are to do what I'm talking about here and be able to warm up more into 2013. Asking yourself, what opportunities does my home present? What opportunities does my church home present in order to help people come into a deeper experience of the love of God? Now, there's a whole lot of things that happen here at church that, again, and I'll look at it a bit more in a moment in depth, but they're designed by the leadership team in this church as opportunities to help you be hospitable, to help you see family and friends and acquaintances come to know God, to help you, to help them grow in their faith and so on and so forth. And so that's pretty obvious. But maybe it's just the fact in this sort of weather that you've got a pool. Or maybe it's the fact even that you've got air conditioning. You know, some of those things that we take for granted, some of us, um, other people aren't taking them for granted. They wish they had them. And, you know, certainly in, in days gone by, you know, we keep, we keep our ears open for people who don't have air conditioning. So you can have them over. You know, yes, there's, there's other alternatives possibly for them, but maybe not. So don't take for granted what you have and think that others wouldn't appreciate coming into the coolness of your house for a little while or maybe jumping into your pool or, or other things like that. They're an opportunity to be hospitable. So think about that. Think about who right now, I mean, I could have any number of people over, but who right now might be battling with loneliness? Who can I strategically invite over with a spiritual purpose attached to it in order that we can help them overcome that battle with loneliness and feel the acceptance of God in a practical way because the church has risen up? If I'm having someone over who's new to the church, who else could I have over with them? Because if I have every person over and they get to know me and Sally Ann, our family, that's great. But, you know, not everyone's going to be our best friend. Not everyone is going to share the same interests that we share and so on and so forth. So, so be a little bit strategic. If you're having someone over and you know that that person has certain interests or maybe certain age children or whatever, use some of those things as connection points. And think, well, I'm having this person over and they've got three young children, so why don't I invite someone else from church over who's also got three young children? Maybe they go to the same school. It just, it's just going to help people feel connected and accepted in the church. You say, you know, we can do this thing willy-nilly and just have over friends over and over and over and over and over and our family over and over and over and over, or we can be a little bit strategic and think outside the box and suddenly we become a massive blessing to people. Maybe it's about you know, people with, with certain giftings and interests. It's not just about, you know, people who, who need to know God and don't yet know him, but even within the church. Maybe there's some people within our church who are just, it's just like latent energy, latent potential, just sitting there doing really not too much. But maybe just a few key connections with other people in the church with similar passions and gifts. Who knows what ministries could flow out of something like that, just through connecting people who maybe, you know, maybe it's people who work in the same location or maybe it's people who are at uni together or something and they've got a passion to serve God but they don't really know of anyone else who's in that area. And you, just through talking to people, you know that there's a common connection there and a common purpose and goal. And maybe if I can bring them together, it could be the the catalyst for something magnificent to happen. So let's be a little bit strategic. Let's remember it's not about us. Hospitality is not about us. I talked before about opportunities that we're creating as a church. You know, things like the bloke, things like SIGWO and SIGWO conference. And these things, you know, you sometimes hear comments that, to be honest, are a little bit annoying. 
I get it, but they're a little bit annoying. When people say, oh, I'm not into boxing. So therefore, the, the, you know, what they're really saying is, I'm not going to go because I don't like boxing. So well, that's fine, but it's not about boxing. It's not about you. Yeah. It's about those outside of the church who do, or you know, maybe they're not into boxing either, but they, they're into the idea of the church that they think is cold and icy and all that sort of Putting on boxing, that's a little bit out of the box, so to speak. And so they might actually come along. And you can be there to welcome them. You can be there to be hospitable. You might not need another dessert in your life, ladies. <laughs> Unlikely, of course. But, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It's not about whether you need another dessert or whether you, know, you can have this or can't have that. It's about you're there. It's about you're there. And somebody's friend might need you to be there. They, you know, they've invited someone and they've been trying for ages, but you know, they're just too familiar. That person is not really going to listen to them. But the connection and the story that you have, what you can add into the situation could be the difference between them coming on a Sunday or not. It could be the difference between just, just starting. It might be a slow but sure process. It could take you know, months or years. But the difference can be whether you're there or not. It's so frustrating when you come and, you know, the, the great thing about an event like that, like the bloke and see, it, it's awesome because it's so many people there, but it's frustrating because it's so many people there. You can't get around everyone. And so the more people that come there with a sense of purpose, a sense of intentionality, a sense of strategy, okay, I invited 10 people, they all said no, I'm not going to sit at home and suck my thumb and sulk, I'm going to come to church and I'm going to be there for those that did invite 10 friends, and they've all come. And they're all thinking, what the heck do I do with my 10 friends? They don't know each other. They've all got different interests, and I can't be with all of them at once. But I know someone who loves motorbike racing, so I'm going to introduce them to that person. I know someone who's a bike riding, I'm going to introduce them to that person. I know someone who, who loves whatever it might be. And if we're there, we can be part of the answer. If we're not, we become part of the problem. Okay, so it's not about us. Let's think beyond ourselves. These are opportunities that are created. And on the surface, it might look like just coffee. It might just look like just boxing. It might just look like just a get-together. It might just look like just kids or just playground. That's looking at things way too shallow. These are things that when we connect them to the heart of God, have eternal significance. So never underestimate the significance of just being present, of being friendly in Jesus' name, of offering a smile. It has eternal significance in people's life, even if it doesn't seem overly spiritual at the time. What you do in his name, going beyond yourself, will be rewarded. We read that before. Jesus said you won't fail to get a, an eternal reward. But you don't need to wait until eternity before you begin to see the rewards because some of us are yet to meet our best friends. Some of us are going to have family members in the future, they might be you know, husband or wife, they might be you know, uh, in-laws or whatever, but because we are hospitable now. Yeah. This is part of the reward in the here and now. Never mind the fact that just walking in this life with the smile of God, the sense of, well done, that's exactly what I'm on about. You've caught my heart. That's a tremendous reward yeah. in the here and now. But even if it's not, even if you don't become best friends, even if you don't end up marrying him or her, even if I don't become your son or daughter-in-law, it doesn't matter because maybe you're just a crucial little link between this person and that person who does become a husband or a wife or, a son, or maybe who does have a story that intrigues them and causes them to ask questions about the goodness of God. So let's never underestimate the power of just being hospitable, 
being friendly, being warm, welcoming people, having people over, and thinking beyond ourselves. We saw Grantley's story earlier. We talked about the fact that we exist to connect people to God. We exist to connect people to the church and to his purpose. And I think if we think, we can be a part of that amazing privilege. I started by saying that most people's resolutions will fail just because their goals aren't specific enough. They're just too vague. Well, why not think about who? Who can I have over? Why not think about when can I have people over? When realistically? In my week, in my month, when can I set aside time where I can determine to have people over who are strangers to me right now? How often is it realistic? We're not asking the impossible here. We're saying within the context of your life, you can do something. Why not think about it ahead of time? A lot of people's plans fail for no strategy. Well, we have a strategy as a church. Why not just tap into the strategy that we have? We're trying to be open about it. We're not trying to keep it a secret. Sigway, Real Men, Origin Coffee, but the things, you know, these are things that we want you to be involved. This is part of our strategy for, this, for the here and now. If we're in China, if we're under persecution, things might look a little bit different. We're not, they're not. We're going to make the most of the opportunity we have to be loud and proud right now. Okay, that's our strategy. So get in on that. And a lack of accountability. You know, sometimes people just, you know, if you keep it to yourself, there's no accountability. But, you know, if you, can, if you want to get fit, get a training partner. I want us to be accountable to one another. I want us to, as husbands and wives, talk about what changes do we need to make in order to make our home more hospitable. Maybe talk to one another, talk to friends. Maybe young people, you don't have a house, you don't have a, a family that's open to you having friends home, or maybe you don't have the space at home to have people over. But there's strategies you can work out. Maybe it's about inviting people out to McDonald's together or going to a park, or, but just being hospitable, just connecting other people. Maybe you can help your parents clean up a bit so they can have people over. There's a whole bunch of things that we can do to be a part of the solution and to be accountable. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen. And God bless.